by H.B. Fife, Chapter 3. This LibriVox recording is in public domain. Louis Taranto sat on his heels against the big clay wall of the cell, watching the sweat run down the face of his companion. Though he privately considered Harvey Myers a very weak link, he had so far restrained himself from hinting as much. They were in this hole together, and he might well need the blubbery loudmouth's help to get out, if there were any way to get out. Myers sat on the single bench with which their jailers had provided them, staring mournfully at the rude table upon which he rested his elbows. He was unusually quiet, as if the heat had drained him of all anxiety. Sloppy bum, thought Taranto. He could at least comb his hair. They were allowed occasional access to the toilet articles which the Sissokans had obtained from the one Terran officially in residence on the planet. Taranto had shaved the day before, but the other had not bothered for more than a week. Myers was perhaps an inch short of six feet and must weigh 200 pounds Terran. He had a loose mouth between pudgy cheeks. His little blue eyes seemed always to be prying, except during periods such as the present, when he was feeling sorry for himself. He had been a medic in the same spaceship in which Taranto had been a ventilation mechanic. Glad I was never sick, Taranto muttered to himself. Myers looked up. Huh? I said I'm glad I was never sick, repeated Taranto deliberately, thinking let him figure that out if he can. This heat's enough to make anybody sick, complained Myers. Why do they have to keep us up on the top floor of the tower anyway? What kind of jail were you ever in where their prisoners got the best? Who says I was ever in jail, demanded Myers defensively. Taranto grinned slightly but made no reply. After a moment, the other returned to his study of the table. He breathed in loudly, his shoulders heaving as if he had been running. To avoid the sight, Taranto let his eyes wander for the thousandth time around the walls of the square cell. The large blocks of Bates clay were turning from dun to gray in the twilight seeping through the four small window openings. Overhead, they curved together to form a high arch that was the peak of the tower. Besides table and bench, the room contained a clay water jug, a yard high, a wooden bucket, a battered copper cooking pot, and a pile of coarse straw upon which lay the two gray shirts the spacers had discarded in the heat. In the center of the floor was a wooden trap door which Taranto eyed speculatively. He reminded himself that he must suppress his longing to smash the next soaken head that appeared in the opening. It's getting near time, he remarked after a few minutes. Myers peered at the patches of sky revealed by the windows. They were losing the glare of Sissokan daylight. There had been a wisp or two of cloud earlier, but these had either blown over or faded into the deepening gray of the sky. Listen at the door, ordered Taranto, impatient at having to remind the other. He rose, wiped perspiration from his face with the palms of both hands, and rubbed them in turn on the thighs of his gray pants. He was inches shorter than Myers, and twenty pounds or more lighter, but his bare shoulders bulged powerfully. A little fat softened the lines of his belly without concealing the existence of an underlying layer of solid muscle. He moved with a heavy padding gait, like a large carnivore whose natural grace is revealed only at top speed. Myers watched him resentfully. Why couldn't I have made it to one of the other emergency rockets, he asked himself. Imagine a bunch of crazy savages that say even landing here is a crime. He supposed that Taranto would have pointed to the sizable city where they were held if he had heard the Sissokans called savages. Myers thought the trouble with Taranto was that he was too physical, too much of a dumb flunky who spoiled Myers' efforts to talk them out of trouble. I had a better break coming, he thought. He wished he had been in a rocket with one of the ship's officers who might have known about Sissoka. They would have gone into an orbit about the planet star and put out a call for help to the nearest Terran base or ship. As it was, they might be given up for lost even if the other rockets were picked up. The course they had been on before the explosion had been designed to pass the system by a good margin. Taranto, he recalled, had thought them lucky to have picked up the planet on the little escape ship's instruments. 
Taranto, decided Myers, thought he was a hot pilot because he had been a few years in space. He had not looked so good bending the rocket across that ridge of rock out in the desert. They should have taken a chance on coming down in the city here. They had just about straightened themselves out after that landing when they had seen the party of Sissokans on the way. It had not taken them long to reach the wreck. They could even speak Terran, and no pigeon Terran either. Then it turned out they did not like spacers of any race landing without permission. There had been a war with the next star system. And the laws now said there should be only one alien of any race permitted to reside in Sissoka, except for brief visits by licensed spaceships. What's the matter with our government, muttered Myers. What? asked Taranto, turning from one of the windows. I said, what's the matter with the Terran government? Why don't they pitch a couple of bombs down here and show these skinny nuts who's running the galaxy? Who are they to call us aliens? Taranto turned again to the 18-inch square window, set like the other three in the center of its walls at the level of his shoulders. They're posting their sentries on the city wall for the night, he told Myers. The thing should be flying in here any time now. If it comes, said Myers grumpily. Something will go wrong with that, too. The others spat out the window that faced the main part of the Sissokan city, then padded to the one opposite. Strange patterns of stars gleamed already in the sky over the desert. The air that blew against his damp face was a trifle cooler. Should I tell the slob about that, he wondered. Nah, he'd try to breathe it all. Let him sweat, as long as he listens for the Sissokans. Myers had left his bench to crouch over the trap door. There was no reason to expect their jailers, but the Sissokans had a habit of popping up at odd times. The evening meal was usually brought well after dark, however. Do you think it will really get here again? asked Myers. What if they spot it? Taranto grunted. He was watching something he thought was one of the flying insects that thickened the Sissokan twilight. Seconds later, he ducked away from the window as a pencil-sized thing with two pairs of flailing wings darted through the opening. It whirled about the dim cell. Myers flapped his hands about his head. The third time around, the insect passed within Taranto's reach and he batted it out of the air with a feline sweep of his left hand. It fell against the base of the wall and twitched for a few minutes. Myers squinted at him, examining the slightly flattened nose and the meaty cheeks that gave Taranto a deceptively plump look. You're quick, all right, he admitted. They used to say in the ship that you were a boxer. What made you a spacer? Too short, said Taranto laconically. Five eight, and I grew into a light heavy. What did that have to do with it? I did all right for a while. When I could get in on them, they'd go down and stay down. Then they learned to stick and run on me. It was either grow a longer arm or quit. Maybe you should have quit sooner, said Myers, for no good reason except that he resented Taranto and blamed him for their predicament. Why should I? asked Taranto with a cold stare. It was good money. Even after having my eyebrows fixed, I got a nice nest egg back on Terra. Nothing really shows on me except the habit of a short haircut. Myers ran his fingers through his own unkempt hair. What was that for, he asked. Oh, it don't wave in the air so much when you stop a jab. Looks better to the judges. Myers grunted. He'd like to believe it doesn't show on him, he thought. Suddenly, he bent down to place an ear against the trap door. A petulant grimace twisted his features. They're on the ladder, he whispered. Wouldn't you know? He straightened up and walked softly back to his bench. Taranto remained at the window. It was a perfectly natural place for him to be, he decided. A few moments later, the trapdoor creaked up, letting yellow light burst into the cell. It came from a clumsy electric lantern in the grip of the first Sissokan who climbed into the chamber. Two others followed, suggestively fingering pistols that would have been considered crude on Terra two centuries earlier. The individual with the light was typical of his race, a tall, cadaverous humanoid with pale greenish-gray skin made up of tiny scales. His nose was flatter than that of a Terran ape, 
and his chin consisted mostly of a hanging fold of scaly skin. His ears were set very low on a narrow pointed skull. Occasionally they made small motions as if to fold in upon themselves. The Sissokans were clad in garments not unlike loose sleeveless pajamas, over which they wore leather harness for their weapons. The leader's suit was red, but the other two wore a dull brown. It's all satisfactory, asked the one in charge, staring about the cell with large black eyes. All right, said Taranto stonily. He thought that a Sissokan would never have answered that way. They were vain of their extraordinary linguistic ability and commonly spoke three or four alien tongues. Only an unfortunate inability to control excessive sibilance marred their Terran. Taranto felt like wiping his face, but realized that it was only sweat. The Sissokan prowled around the room, examining each of the simple furnishings with a flickering glance. He took note of the food left in the copper pot. He checked the level of water in the big jar. He found the dead insect, which he sniffed and slipped into a pouch at his belt. Then he passed Taranto. The latter eyed him in measuring fashion. The Sissokan halted out of reach. You have been warned to obey all orders here, he said, staring between the two Terrans. What's the trouble now, demanded Myers, when it became apparent that the poker-faced Taranto intended to say nothing. There was a question by the Terran. We allow on the world. How can he know of your complaints? He was told only of your sentence. We told you there would be protests from our government, said Myers. All we did was land on your planet in an emergency. We're only too willing to leave. You have no right to keep us locked up in these conditions. It is a violation of our law said the Sissokan imperturbably. You go automatically to jail. We permit only one of every sky people to live here. Who could tell yours that you complain of this place? Listen, you better be careful of us Terrans, blustered Myers. We have ways. Shut up, said Taranto without raising his voice. He had inched forward but stopped now as the two guards at the trap door gave him their attention. The Sissokan with the lantern also turned to him. Taranto looked over the ladder's shoulder. The window was black. The twilight of Sissoka was brief. Myers had flushed and was scowling at him with outthrust lower lip, but Taranto's icy order had spilled the wind from his sails. Perhaps you have had too much water, suggested the Sissokan, regarding Taranto with interest. You have done something. It is best to tell me. Taranto returned the stare. He wondered why all the Sissokans he had seen, though rather fragile in build, were relatively thick-waisted. They looked to him as if a couple of solid hooks to the body would find a soft target. It was unlikely that the Sissokan could read the facial expression of an alien Terran. It was probably some tenseness in Taranto's stance that caused the native to step back. The Terran strained his ears to pick up any unusual noise outside the window during the pause. He heard nothing except the whir of night insects. Their jailer paced once more around the cell, and Taranto cursed himself for arousing suspicion. Perhaps he hoped it was only annoyance. But what could I do, he asked himself. Let Myers spill it? In the end, with Taranto answering in monosyllables and Myers intimidated into an unnatural reserve, the Sissokans retired. The darkness closed in upon the Terrans as they listened to the creaking of the ladder below the trap door. Give them time, advised Taranto, hearing Myers move toward the exit. They waited in the silent dark until Myers could stand it no longer. They won't come back, he whispered. We'll make sure, said Taranto shortly. Get your ear to the wood. He felt his way to the window that faced away from the city. After the heat of the day, the air blowing in was almost cold, and he considered putting on his shirt. The realization that he would have to scrabble around the pile of straw for it gave him pause. His next thought was that he might come up with the wrong shirt, and that discouraged him completely. It was nearly half an hour later when he suspected Myers of dozing on the trap door. 
that Taranto heard something more than an insect zip past the window. He backed away and hissed to attract Meyer's attention. Did it come? whispered the other. I think so, answered Taranto. A tiny hum drifted through the window. Into the opening, timidly, edged a small hovering shape. Okay, said Taranto in a low voice, even though he knew the room was being scanned by an infrared detector. The shape blossomed out with a midget light. Enough of the glow was reflected from the adobe walls to reveal that a miniature flying mechanism the size of a man's hand had landed on the window ledge. After a moment, its rotors ceased their whirring. Taranto jabbed backward with an elbow as he heard Myers creep up behind him. Listen at the door, damn it, he snarled. All we need is to get caught at this and we'll be here till they turn out the sun. Taranto, piped a tiny voice from the machine. Are you ready, Taranto? Go ahead. Two pills coming out of the hold. The voice was clear enough in the stillness of the Sissokan night. A hatch in the belly of the little flyer slid back. Two capsules spilled out on the window ledge. Taranto scooped them up. You each take one with water, instructed the voice. Better wait till just before dawn. You told me they bring your food an hour later. That's right, whispered Taranto. That will give this stuff time to act. For all they can tell, you will both be deader than a burned-out meteorite. Then what? So they will follow their normal custom with the dead, take you out to the desert to mummify. This thing will hover overhead to spot the location. Did they just... leave us? Yes. As far as anybody has ever been able to find out, I talked to the capellan next door in the foreign quarter here, and he says they might not leave you in one of their own burial grounds. Otherwise, I would hate to take the chance of having this gadget seen in the daylight. All right, so we're out in the desert, said Taranto. How does this ship you arrange for pick us up? We'll still be out for the count. I plan to tell them where to touch down. I can talk louder by radio, you know, than I can to you now. They will grab your bodies and scramble for space. Against the sunset, they may not even be seen from the city. If they are, I never heard of them. Who are they? asked Taranto. Some bunch hired for the job by the DIR's Department 99. Just as well not to ask where they came from or what their usual line is. I ain't got any questions at all, if they get us out of here, said Taranto. He watched as the hatch closed itself and the tiny light blinked out. The rotors began to spin, and two minutes later they were alone. Come and get yours, said the spacer. He reached out with his empty hand to guide Myers to him, then very carefully delivered one of the capsules to the other. We're supposed to swallow that big lump, whispered Myers. Just don't lose it, admonished Taranto. He relayed the instructions as precisely as he could. One thing more, he concluded. You stay awake to make sure I stay awake until it's time to take the stuff. We could take watches, suggested Myers. I could, said Taranto bluntly. But I'm not sure about you. In the second place, I ain't going to have you sleep while I don't. We're going to play this as safe as possible. Myers grumbled something inaudibly. In the darkness, a sardonic smile twisted Taranto's lips. If you know how, he advised, pray. We're going to our funeral in the morning. End of chapter 3